Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour three. Hello there. How are you? Ready for the third hour? It's Eric Erickson here. I'm ready. Let's get going. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of this year program, you're more than happy, more than welcome to. I'm, in fact, I'm going to start this hour with phone calls. But uh, before I do, I thought about it. And I have decided, and I am going to do it, and I do want you to be prepared. I am going to send out tomorrow, I'll give you a link where you can order one. If you follow along with me on Instagram, you should follow me on Instagram. It's it's my happy part of social media. It's, it's, it's the, the place I enjoy the most, where I put up all my cooking pictures. One of the things I made this weekend is I made uh, smoked pork belly burnt ends. Now, if you don't know what a pork belly is, it's basically where bacon comes from, but it's uncured. And you smoke it. And if you smoke it low, the fat renders out and everything gets very crispy and delicious. And I cubed it up. I learned how I saw an Instagram video that inspired me. And I actually made it like it was almost Japanese style. I found a Japanese barbecue sauce someone online recommended. So it's kind of teriyaki but candied, like the last hour you you put it in brown sugar and butter and oh my gosh, it was one of the greatest things. So I made like a five pound pork belly, smoked it, cubed it, made it into burnt ends. There was literally not a crumb left uh, when the guys came over Sunday night. Um, I'm gonna send this recipe out. It is so freaking easy. It is one of the easiest, it only takes three and a half hours. It is so incredibly, absurdly, insanely easy to do this. Uh, but you got to have a smoker. I've got a big green egg. You can do it on a big green egg. I've got a pellet grill. I've got a Rectech, not a Traeger. But you can do it on a, you got to do use it as a smoker. It's not for the oven, not for the grill, for a smoker. So you need a smoker. If you got one, though, you're going to want to text the word recipe, singular recipe, to 33777. Click the link back and subscribe. You don't have to do the paid subscription. If you do the paid subscription, that helps me buy the ingredients to test the recipes and make the recipes and stuff. But you don't have to. I'll give the recipe away for free. It's going to be a smoked pork belly burn-in that's candied. And I'll give you, if you want to do it the teriyaki style, I will give you the link to be able to do that. But my goodness gracious, it is an insanely easy recipe if you have a smoker. It is insanely easy. It takes three and a half hours, and it is, I, I mean, I, I'm just absolutely gobsmacked by how good it was. Uh, text recipe singular to 33777. Click the link I text you back and subscribe to the recipes. Now, I've got phone calls to get to, 877-973-7425. Pierce, you're going to be up first. Pierce, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Hey, Eric, thanks for taking my call. You know, one sure. of the things that no one's focusing on, especially conservative commentators, about the special grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia, is this DA is fake, taking so much time at trying to get a gotcha on Trump that crime is running out of hand in Atlanta and Fulton County. Look, you know, that's a good point. Uh, they have been so distracted by the Trump stuff. Now this, uh, to be honest and fair, the crime wave started before she came in, but she came in on the issue of that crime wave. Crime. She exactly. came in about that issue. And uh, yep. everybody has kind of ignored that. That's such a good point and something that uh, people literally have totally forgotten about. 
Um, yep. And, I mean, people need to pay attention to the fact that this has been going on and there is a big crime wave and the DA's office is distracted by the technicality before, uh, by, by, by this um, by this Trump techni- technicality and, and the special grand jury. They've got to focus on crime. In fact, the mayor of Atlanta had to go before city council a while back and address the crime issue. It really is a substantial issue and one that is just flat out not getting enough attention, and it should be. Um, really, I mean, it, it's just, you know, I can't I can't express to you enough how bad the crime in Atlanta has gotten. And they're focused on this instead. 877-973-7425. Ariel, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Ariel. How are you? How are you? Great. What's going on? A couple of points. Uh, first point I want to make is very excited about Kemp's reelection. Um, I'm up here in Forsyth County. We've talked before, and I'm very excited to support Rich McCormick. Um, Excellent. But but outside of that, what would you suggest or um, the advice you would give for somebody like me? And I know I'm not alone in this boat. Who, you know, I know that you say focus on the welfare of your own community. Don't focus so much on Washington. But when you have some of the biggest voices, and I know many of these people are your friends, but people like Jim Banks or, say, Jim Jordan out there, you know, they meet with Trump right after this raid. And they're like, you know, we told him tonight he needs to run for president. He needs to be on the campaign trail. Um, You know, he needs to do this. Them saying all this. But knowing he could only offer four years in Washington and that a large part of those four years are going to be settling scores. That's what Trump will do is settling scores and going after leadership, Mitch McConnell, whoever spoke out against him and just dragging down what is broken at the Republican Party as it is further to the point to where I'm like, if he is the candidate in 24 to where I would even consider not voting. And that's sad because that, my first time I was able to vote was in 04 for Bush's second term. And um, and I would have to consider not even voting. And I know I'm not the only person in this boat. And so it's like, how would the math even add up for him to be able to win if so many people like me chose not to even vote if he was the nominee? That's all. Hey, look, okay. So <laughs> first of all, l- listen, uh, you're going to get me in, in trouble here because there's no way I can answer this without getting hate mail, but I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to, I won't dance around this one or try to be diplomatic. I'll just tell you, um, you are not alone and the loudest voices are not necessarily the most voices. And as yeah. much as I, I see the social media bros say, well, we got to stand by our man now, Trump 2024, screw DeSantis now, we got to go with Trump. Uh, I don't think that's the majority consensus opinion. In fact, uh, in the latest polling I've seen uh, before this, 53% of Republicans said he should run, and it's only bounced up to 56%. When this fades, that starts to fade again as well. Uh, I do think that Trump can't win Georgia. He didn't, it wasn't stolen. He can't win it. The suburban voters are turned off by him. In fact, don't believe me, believe the Club for Growth. The Club for Growth's own polling says that in all of their polling of states, Trump consistently loses Georgia. Um, and that tells me that when the club for growth is saying this, now let's get to the, the, the guys, uh, Jim Jordan, uh, Jim Banks, they're all kind of angling for future positions right now. 
I do know some of these people and some of them are friends of mine. And it frustrates me that their private sentiments are different from their public statements. Uh, they can't be honest, and it has nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with his voters. They're scared of Trump's voters. Look at, I mean, all the people that Trump campaigned against, by and large, outside of Georgia, they've all lost. They don't want to lose their power. They want to grow, and they think that clinging to Trump's coattails can help him help them with his base and go from there. It, it, it frustrates me, frankly, um, that that's the case. And I don't think there's any getting over it. What I think has to happen is that the media and the Democrats themselves have to start moving on. If they don't start moving on, the right's not going to move on from this. And, and you can't blame the right for not moving on if the left is going to obsess with it. Um, so here's what I would tell you, though, in, in all candor and honesty. I, I can't change that dynamic. I wish I could. Um, you got a guy in Florida named Ron DeSantis who will have 30, I, I said 29 earlier, it's 30 electoral college votes out of the gate that he'll bring to the table with an eight-year service potential. Trump could only get four. He doesn't have a lock on any uh, electoral college. He would lose Georgia for sure, so that he would start at a deficit there. Um, I think DeSantis makes sense. That's not an endorsement. There are other great candidates who want to run. Uh, but DeSantis does make more sense as a Florida candidate than Trump. Before you say, well, why not have a ticket, Trump and DeSantis? Well, they're both Florida residents, and the Constitution prohibits two people from the state running for president and vice president together, so you can't do that. Trump would have to move back to New York, and he doesn't want to do that for tax reasons. So I just fundamentally think the the, the sooner we all move to 2024 and let all this stuff go, the better off we will all be on all sides of the aisle. Uh, but yeah, there are some bitter clingers, and I will say this, the loudest voices in the room, I am convinced, are no longer the majority voices. And when Republicans wake up to that, the dynamic begins to change, but it will not change until after primary season is over, which is coming soon. Jeremiah, you're going to be up next. Jeremiah, welcome to the show. How you doing, sir? Great. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Yes, I'm okay. I'm calling in with a comment. I'm 45 years old and I grew up in Georgia. I'm an African American male, and I recently just started listening to your show like a year ago, and I've been hooked ever since. You and Tavon Hessler, and it makes me think back to when I was growing up in school, how they were just making the Democratic Party look all this and all that. Now that I'm older, I see that the Republicans actually had a lot of more insight to certain things, and I'm not the only one who feels like this, but we still got certain people who just refuse to accept the truth, and it's like the Democrats just can't do no wrong in their eyes. <laughs> yeah, now listen, um, there, there are people on the other side, to be fair, who think the Republicans can do no wrong. Uh, we're talking about two groups of sinners, so I guarantee you both of them can do wrong. But uh, when it comes to the actual policy positions, I mean, just take, let, let's, let's look at Georgia for just a minute, Jeremiah, where you and I both are. Uh, in Georgia, the state is running about a billion-dollar surplus. A billion-dollar surplus that Stacey Abrams wants to spend to grow government. A billion dollar surplus. The Republicans want to give it back to the people, the taxpayers from whom it came. There's a real difference there. The governor does not want to saddle 
the individuals of the state of Georgia with massive budgets for the government, nor with massive regulations, uh, nor with uh, nor saddle parents with uh, having their daughters have to worry about boys competing for their girls' scholarships. There are real differences these days between the parties. There are striking differences. If anything, one of the upsides of Donald Trump as president was that he forced those differences to come forward. And what the Democrats scream about and claim is that those differences show the Republican Party as some sort of intolerant, racist, homophobic, bigoted, authoritarian party. That's not really true. I know that's what they want you to believe, and it's what they say on television, but it's not actually the case. And what's remarkable about it is that the voters themselves, like Jeremiah, who just called in, realizes that these differences are shaping up. They're pretty striking, and they work for the benefit of the GOP. There is a demographic shift happening in this country as Hispanic and black working class voters are more aligned with the GOP. They are more culturally conservative, socially conservative. They're okay with with government spending, and so too is the new GOP as long as they're in charge of the spending. And they have found each other. It doesn't have so much to do with Donald Trump, except Donald Trump spoke in a clear way that they connected with. Even if they didn't like him, they understood what his message and it transcended him. And that's something the media has forgotten, that Trump's message is about this idea of Trumpism and he is a messenger of it. But it's the people who actually carry it out. The people are willing to stick with the party that seems committed to those policies. And that's the GOP. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide. If you want your businesses to grow, well, reach out to First Liberty. See if they can get you access to capital when a lot of banks are telling people no. They want to help you grow. Uh, so reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. We're talking $750,000 or more. But firstlibertyga.com, tell them I sent you and see if they can work with you. Now, uh, back to the phones. I want to go to David next. David, welcome to the show. Hey, David. Hey, Eric. Can you yep. hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, I just happened to uh, turn the radio on and I heard a little bit of the Field of Dreams stories. Yeah. And have a really cool story to tell you about um, when we were there. So mm-hmm. this was 2007. We had three little kids ages, three, six, and seven, and um, I'd never pulled anything with a trailer before, but we bought a a pop-up camper and made a three-week trip to the Grand Canyon, Yellowstone, Mount Rushmore, and back then, you know, the, the planning for it wasn't all GPS, so we sort of navigated where we wanted to go and what we wanted to do before we left, so... We left Atlanta. We were trying to make our way to Pittsburgh where we have family, and we had a gap between the badlands of South Dakota and Pittsburgh, and right smack in the middle was Dyersville. So <laughs> I think I was looking on the map, and I saw the name of the town, remembered the movie. So I put a baseball bat and the kids' baseball gloves and some balls in the car for the trip. Um, this was t- towards the end of the three-week trip. We pull into Iowa just as the sun was setting, and we're like, crap, you know, we're, we're going to get kicked out. We won't be able to see it. Well, if you remember the movie, the, the red um, building that served as the barn was actually a little, like, souvenir shop. 
Mm-hmm. And it sold ice cream and stuff. Um, we pull in and we see this teenage boy sort of closing up shop for the day. There's not a car in sight. There's not a person in sight. And, you know, we ask him nicely, hey, can we hang out for a few minutes and just um, watch the sun go down? He basically told us, I'm leaving. You guys can do whatever you want. So <laughs> we we cracked a couple beers and um, hit balls and ran, let the kids run around the bases. Very, very cool. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Wow. It, 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 it so is. The American heartland area up there. I mean, it, it's just flat corn country. Um, yep. It is the the elevation and the hills start actually uh, spreading out there towards the Mississippi River when you get to Dubuque and you get to the bluffs of the Mississippi. It's just it's a pretty pretty part of the country. Uh, I had never been up there until I started uh, covering politics for Fox and CNN, and it's just it's a neat place. But you know the other thing here, and not to make a political point on the nice story, David, though, but if you go up there you kind of understand why those people have shifted to the right so much because it is a yeah. very culturally conservative place. And as the left in this country has pivoted towards culturally progressive issues, there's been a backlash up there. It doesn't have a lot to do with economics. It has a lot to do with culture. So Dubuque, Iowa. Now, for those of you who are picturing, if you picture Iowa, you basically think of, I mean, in essence, you think of a square or a rectangle rather. And um, on the on the right side, it has a nose. That's essentially it at the top of the nose. That's Dubuque. Uh, if you head due west from Dubuque, you get to Dyersville. Uh, Dyersville is between Waterloo, Iowa and Dubuque. South of it is Cedar Rapids. You go southwest, you get to Des Moines, the capital. Uh, Dubuque is blue-collar, hardcore Democrat. Or at least it was. It's right across the river uh, from Illinois and Wisconsin. Uh, You cross the bridge of the Mississippi River in Dubuque, you can get either to Wisconsin or uh, if you go on the north side or you get to to Illinois on the south side. Hardcore blue-collar blue voters who have overwhelmingly shifted to the GOP. And they've done so because they're tired of the cultural elite. They're tired of the hardcore progressive left. They are tired of uh, the overseas job shift that Democrats claim to fight and they enabled. Uh, They're tired of all of it. And as a result, they've become went from a 90 percent Democrat voting area to a 90 percent Republican voting area in 10 years. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I want to round out some phone calls here before I move on to other stuff. First, I'm going to go to Raul. Raul, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? Eric, great talking to you again. I haven't talked to you probably in over 10 years. Um, well, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, I moved to Alabama, and I just moved back to Georgia. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it wasn't too bad. Um, you know, living outside Birmingham wasn't too bad at all. I but, actually uh, like the Birmingham area a ton. It is. It's it's like a big secret. Nobody knows how nice it is to live there until you live there. Yeah. So, but great talking to you again, Eric. Um, so, Eric, I'm originally from Chicago. I moved to uh, Georgia. And, and um, you know, up there, obviously, uh, 
if I, we lived outside the Chicago area, and it's a very dominant Democrat area. I was a Democrat at one time, even though I think the Democrats back then compared to Democrats today are completely different. Um, mm-hmm. Everything is much more to the left now. Um, I became a Republican when I moved to Georgia because I just really enjoyed being around sort of a, a fresh mindset of people and realizing that my values really lined up more with the Republicans. I mean, I go to church. I believe in family. I've been married for 37 years. And I, it's, you know, this is me. And that's really disappeared on the Democratic side. You know, they don't want you to pray in school. They don't want you to, you know, believe in God and things like that. The culture's really taken over. And I'm I'm a little concerned about Georgia. You know, when I came back from Alabama, you know, when uh, Brian Kemp barely beat Stacey Abrams, something's wrong. And, you know, obviously I think just they're trying to flip Georgia. Um, and I, I think we just really, as a state and fellow Americans and fellow Hispanics, you know, wake up, you know, we need to, we need to keep this state um, red. And, it, you know, for, you know, I only do it for the sake of my children. I want my children to right. be grow up in a, in a society where family vows is number one. Our faith is number one, getting along with people is number one and, you know, not be hateful the way the Democrats are really super hateful right now. And, you know, I don't, there's even family members I don't even associate with because they know I'm a Republican, uh, which is really a sad state of affairs. Um, but, you know, I just want to say, you know, anyone who's listening, I'm a Hispanic. I'm um, uh, of a Mexican descent, um, but I'm American. I was born here. But please understand that, you know, we have to maintain uh, the Republicans and maintain the redness of of our state and really do it for the sake of our children, because that's really the future. Like my children that I've raised here is, is really important for me that they believe and they are Republicans, by the way, my children. Good, 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 good. Now let let me step back and, and, and I want to start with, with one of the last things you said and, and move backward from there about Georgia and, and Kip barely beating Abrams. So let me paint this in perspective for a national audience here. Fulton County, that's where the DA is investigating Trump and Rudy Giuliani. That's Atlanta. Now, the north end of Fulton County used to be a county called Milton. It should be again, but it won't be for some reasons. Uh, And that is the Alpharetta area, uh, and it's Republican. South Fulton is, is more Democrat these days. The counties around Fulton, the ones that touch it, Cherokee, Forsyth, heavily Republican. They're the very north end. Uh, to the, the northwest and the northeast, Gwinnett and Cobb. Gwinnett, one of the fastest-growing counties in the nation. Uh, they were Republican. They've trended pretty quickly towards the Democrats. To the immediate east and west, uh, you've got uh, DeKalb in the east, Douglas on the west. They've, they're Democrat. And then on the south side, you've got Clayton, Fayette, Coweta, uh, Carroll touches a little bit. But take all these major counties, the population hubs there, Fulton, Douglas, Cobb, Gwinnett, Cherokee, Forsyth, DeKalb, uh, Clayton, Fayette. Uh, Cherokee and Forsyth, those were Donald Trump territories. But all the others, Marco Rubio won the Republican primary in those counties in 2016. Marco Rubio 
one Fulton DeCab, Gwinnett, uh, I believe Clayton, Fayette, Douglas, those counties, the most populous counties touching the Atlanta area, Marco Rubio won them. The suburban Atlanta Republicans are not the bright red Trump voting Republicans. That's how Donald Trump lost in 2020. Not that it was stolen. Those Republicans turned their back on him. The same way in 2018, they did not vote for Brian Kemp. Why did they not vote for Brian Kemp? Because Brian Kemp ran some pretty hardcore conservative ads to lock in the Republican primary, and he won the primary with those ads. But not just that. Uh, He also got endorsed by Donald Trump, who came and campaigned in the state for him. And suburban voters, particularly suburban white women, did not like that. And they decided that they couldn't support Brian Kemp. Stacey Abrams didn't barely lose to Kemp. She barely lost getting into a runoff where she would have lost to Kemp. But it was still closer than a lot of Republicans expected. And there was this this setting their hair on fire moment of, oh, my gosh, the days of the GOP are at an end. But let me give you a percentage, 56%. If you add up all the Republicans and all the Democrats in the state Senate in Georgia, what percentage did the what percentage of the vote did the GOP get versus the Democrats? Fifty-six percent. Now you can say, well, Republicans and gerrymandered and all that, but that's not the way this works. If you add up all the votes cast by Democrats versus all the votes cast by Republicans for the state Senate, the GOP got fifty-six percent of the vote in twenty eighteen. In twenty twenty, I'm sorry, in twenty twenty, they got fifty-six percent of the vote. Twenty eighteen is like fifty-four percent of the vote. So the GOP still tends to dominate. The only reason they lost the Leffler and Purdue seats is 427,205 Republicans. That's the precise number who voted in the general election didn't go show up in the runoffs because they were convinced it was going to be stolen. The Republicans in Georgia, if they turn out, they win. Stacey Abrams is out telling black men if the black men will actually show up and vote, she could win. The problem is that 25% of black men minimum 25% of the black men in Georgia are voting for Brian Kemp. That's why this is no 2018 or 2020. Uh, Donald Trump is not on the ballot. He's not going to be on the ballot. Suburban Republican voters in Georgia don't like Donald Trump. They voted for Joe Biden or they decided not to vote. You know, everybody gets gets lost in the margin, the 11,000 vote margin between um, between Biden and Trump. Nobody asks how many people just didn't vote in that race. 40,000 people didn't vote in that race in Georgia. In 2016, Johnny Isaacson got hundreds of thousands of more votes than Donald Trump did. Donald Trump won Georgia against Hillary Clinton. There is, whether you want to believe it or not, in Georgia, in the suburbs, there are a lot of white suburban voters who are Republican, but they don't like Trump. The data is there for you to see for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. Here's the problem for the Democrats. They forgot. They forgot. So they have pushed very, very hard to try to make the case that the state has really shifted to the Democrats. And in some parts of Atlanta, it has. There has been a population growth in Gwinnett and Cobb County that's shifted those counties to the Democrats. 
But Hispanic voters, Asian American voters, and younger black men are shifting to the GOP right now. They like Brian Kemp. Why do they like Brian Kemp in Georgia? They like him because the economy's been good. He did not shut the whole state down and keep it shut down. He closed it down for 30 days with a very specific goal in mind back in 2020 as COVID was spreading. He said, 30 days, we're going to close it down. We're going to distribute supplies to hospitals, get our supply chain taken care of so no one's without a ventilator, and then we're going to reopen. And he did. He kept his word. He reopened the state, and we didn't never shut down again. He's been very responsible economically. Abrams knows this. Those of you who are listening to the show nationally, you're not in Georgia. You're not paying attention as much as those of us who have to live here. But there is a very unique phenomenon happening this year. If you listen to Stacey Abrams' direct ad buys, not the outside abortion one that's being run, but if you listen to the way Abrams on the campaign trail talks, if you listen to her advertisements, Stacey Abrams does not use Brian Kemp's name. She says the governor, the current governor, the incumbent. She doesn't use his name. And the reason is because he is way more popular than her and she knows it. And her polling shows that Brian Kemp is popular and going to win. She's desperate. That's why she's pivoted all of a sudden hardcore. Everything she talks about now is abortion. Because there's no other issue that works for her, so she's going to try this one, and that's not going to work for her either. And I don't think, Raul, that you're going to have to worry about Georgia shifting to the left dramatically anytime soon as a result. Bernie, you're going to be up next on the Eric Erickson Show. Bernie, welcome. How are you? Ah, good. I'm good. I just I just uh, had a comment about, uh, you know, I watched CBS Sunday morning. I've watched it probably for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Because it's just a nice, they play little fluff pieces and a little Americana and all that, and it's great. But now, every time they do a piece, they throw politics in, and it's always the same. Trump this, Trump that, Trump Mm -hmm. this. They go to Mount Airy, North Carolina this last Sunday to talk about Andy Griffith and the Andy Griffith show, and they, they built up a whole tourist industry there. And Ted Koppel gets on a bus with a bunch of tourists, and they start questioning about, do you think that the election was stolen? (laughs) Would you vote for him again? Don't you think he should not be there again? I mean, come on. Can't we have anything that is not anti-Trump? What in God's name would all these writers, producers do if Trump just retired? They oh, absolutely. Have to talk about. Look, here's the thing. I think if Trump held a news conference tomorrow and said, listen, I'm I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm giving away all my campaign money. I'm giving it to charity. I'm going to go play golf. You're never going to see me again. It's time for everybody to move on. One, all the criminal stuff goes away. They, they stop trying to hound him. And two, the massive amount of layoffs that come to the American media will be something we've never seen. The number of people who will lose their jobs because Donald Trump disappears. Um, I mean, honestly, the the worst thing that could happen to Biden and the Democrats, frankly, is for that to happen, for Trump to go away. Uh, the, the, and it would be the worst thing to happen to Joe Biden's economy, the number of people in the media who would get laid off because suddenly they don't have Donald Trump to talk about anymore. <laughs> I think it would be hilarious, but... Um, there would be a lot of people losing their jobs if he disappeared tomorrow. Tom, you're going to be the next caller. Welcome. How are you? 
Hello, Eric. Nice to talk to you. You too. Um, my question is, uh, here's speculation, if Trump runs in 24, which I think he will, his ego won't let him not run. And uh, my question is, who would have the courage to be his running mate? Oh, that would be interesting. Um, you know, there are a number of people who say it would need to be someone like DeSantis. The problem is they're in the same state, so they can't uh, constitutionally. That's a big no-no. Um, I don't I know who know you would find. Yeah, so the Constitution, say, okay, so let me be very specific here because there are some people who love the technicality stuff. You can, if you're from the same state, run as president and vice president. So De Trump and DeSantis could run together. There is a problem, however. Under the language of the 11th Amendment of the Constitution, the electoral college votes for their state will not count. So Florida has 30 electoral college votes. Uh, those votes will not count in the electoral college. Uh, Congress is not allowed to certify the votes, the electors' votes of the state in which both the president and the vice presidential nominee come in. So they could run together. That takes Florida off the table for the GOP automatically. So they start with a 30-vote 30 30 deficit in the Electoral College, and then the other 49 states would govern the election. Uh, it's one of those quirks in the Constitution people don't realize is there. Uh, technically, you can run for office together from the same state, uh, but if you do it, your votes, your Electoral College votes are not allowed to count. Uh, Congress isn't allowed to certify them, so that's why it can't be done. Now, uh, one of the great companies out there that is really helping the conservative cause across the country is Patriot Mobile, and they do it by you becoming a customer. It's actually an easy way for you to compound your dollars. You go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You become a, uh, you become a cell phone customer of Patriot Mobile. They give you your data, your voice, 5G, you name it. They give you guaranteed service, and then they take a portion of their profits, and those profits go to fund the conservative movement. The Second Amendment, the pro-life cause, veterans, first responders, and they give you great discounts. What you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You get free activation with my name. You can even take your existing phone number and move it over to Patriot Mobile, or you can call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT. They give you guaranteed service, great discounts, great company. They share your faith, they share your values, and they want your business. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. I got to play you this audio. Uh, I would like my producer to note I have now played all of the audio that he cut for me today. A rare feat, but I've managed to do it with this cut from Bill Malugan at Fox News. The activity here in the Del Rio sector exploded over the weekend. In just a 24-hour span yesterday, we had more than 2,200 illegal crossings. That is one day in just one sector here at the southern border. And take a look at this video we shot today. It has been storming and raining and windy all day long, but it hasn't slowed anything down. This was this morning, a large group of 200 crossing illegally in the elements. It didn't stop anything. This was predominantly single adults from Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, all turning themselves into Border Patrol. But take a look at what we saw yesterday. Look at this drone video. We saw more than 
500 people cross in a single one-hour span. That includes this group you're looking at of 300 people. Again, predominantly single adults. They are coming in from all around the world, Central and South America, some from Asia, some from Africa. You'll see many of them dressed very well, waiting with their smartphones for Border Patrol to process them. And then you'll see some of them even walked out to a nearby highway almost getting on the road before Texas DPS troopers stopped them. Then take a look at this third piece of video. Two more groups we saw yesterday totaling more than 200 migrants. Again, almost all of them single adults. We are no longer seeing those mass family units like we saw last summer. Just to put it in perspective, there have now been more than 400,000 illegal crossings here in the Del Rio sector just since October. That's up double from the same time last year. It's a striking number to go full circle on the show. If the Democrats are as insistent that everything must now be about Donald Trump, we should point out that this did not happen when Donald Trump was president. We have human traffickers and drug dealers. And now today, some breaking news Individuals who are on the terror watch list have been detained crossing the border, the ones we know about. But y'all, there's a lot. There are a lot of people crossing, and it is a destabilizing national security issue that the Biden administration doesn't seem to want to take care of. Uh, Kudos to Greg Abbott for busing a lot of these people to New York and to the District of Columbia. So the people there have to see what Texas is going through because they otherwise get to live in oblivion. And it's the red states that uh, take this burden on. And and Joe Biden doesn't even go see it for himself. It's a huge, huge problem. And it shows up in polling. And it's going to continue to show up in polling, which is why don't get distracted and make this about a raid of Mar-a-Lago. Make it about Biden trying to distract from how bad he's doing.